WMNF Tampa. Support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and USF College of Public Health, committed to creating a world where health is accessible to all, communities thrive, and well-being is a priority. More at publichealth.usf.edu. Here comes the sun, I say it's all right. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we're talking with David Whitwam, owner of Whitwam Organics, all about seeds, plants, soil, and everything garden related. I'm Annie Ellis, and I'll be your host today. Irene is taking your calls, and Mr. Bill Grace is working the boards and doing everything else to help me manage this electronic world. So uh, I wanted to start off right away is to let y'all know that if you wanted to talk to us, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can text us at 813-433-0833. 85, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we'll read it on the air. Before we get to David, who's live in the studio today, which I'm delighted. Right here. Right here, right next to me. I'm loving it. That um, I went to the Sweetwater Farm uh, Planters Ball. It was their 30th, uh, 30th annual. I think it was 31st. It's the Sweetwater Organic Community Farm has been opened for 31 years. Crazy. It is. It's kind of amazing that that's even been that way. Uh, and so I'd, I'd never been. And I was like, I keep saying I'm going to go. I keep saying I'm going to do it. And I love those people. And, you know, I've been over there a lot of times. I was a member a long time ago. And um, I still go. But I went to the Planters Ball and had a blast. You had a ball. <laughs> and I'm a planter, yeah. so there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was wonderful. I sat uh, on the table. Uh, Rick Martinez was back from France, so he started the place 31 years ago, and he was there, and Chris and Joni, they are running it now, and they were there. So I sat at, because uh, I didn't know a lot of other people. I know the, the people that did everything, but I don't know all the people that came to the thing. And so uh, they had this lot, they had lots of tables. It's probably about 120, 150 people. And uh, so I said, can I sit at y'all's table? And it, and it was friends of Rick's who he'd been in high school and grammar school with and all these years he'd known them. So I sat, you know, and talking to these people I never met, which is not a problem, as you know. <laughs> 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 and we were sitting there and they, these couple across from me, they were going, and they listened to the show. So if you guys are listening, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, they were talking about, they started talking about recycling because I'm talking about things like that, right? And they were talking about recycling and then they said something about WMNF and I went, Oh, okay. And they said, they said, yeah, we listen to the Sustainable Living Show. And I went, oh, you do? How nice. I, thank you. That's the one, uh, the show that I do. And they said, oh, the girl says, oh, my God, I knew I recognized your voice. And I couldn't figure it out. That's funny. It was very funny. It was so great. You have a very distinct yes, voice. It's Southern accent. Yes. It's kind of husky, you know, so there's that. But uh, 
So anyway, it was really great to. And then the one of the ladies came up to me after the whole thing that was at that table, and she told me that I inspired her. That uh, and I was I was like, wow, that's fantastic. She said, yeah, because I was talking about no single use products, uh, you know. Uh, reduce your use on everything, you know, because I brought a big bowl of pasta salad, giant one for the whole thing. And I put it in one of my own bowls and I covered it with a cloth and I tied it with a string, you know, so I didn't use any plastic. I didn't have anything that was a throwaway. Everything was useful. And, and I have my own forks and knives and spoons and cloth napkin. I didn't bring that to the table, but I should have actually. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was a wonderful, wonderful event. And, and I found out they're going to be having a lot more uh, things going on. I met a woman there that's going to teach canning in March. And so I'm definitely going to go to that. And so I encourage you guys to look up uh, Sweetwater Farm. And I don't know if you knew this, David, but they just got, they, they just got the city to work with them to support the area to always be land that will be for farming. It's an agricultural designation. I was actually just reading about land trusts. And that's what they did. They did that. Conservative. Yes. And and I was shocked that it's pretty big that they do them for agriculture. And they do it all over the world, but, and in different states, but we, this has never been done here ever in Hillsborough County, or maybe, I don't know, in Florida. And so they, Joni and Chris, bless them, they stayed on that for a year, over maybe over a year, and kept on and kept on. And now they have gotten money from the, the city or from the county to be able to pay off one of the mortgages. So now oh, wow. it's fantastic. The whole thing is just an amazing situation. And thank you, Chris and Joni, for doing that for Sweetwater. You're wonderful people. So now, back to this business at hand, <laughs> we have David here, and I want to read a little bit about David. Um, he's the owner of Whitwoman Organics, a company dedicated to transforming various settings into thriving gardens, homes from homes to institutions, uh, schools, I guess would be included in that, mm-hmm. and for over 10 years, I thought it was longer. It um, is. Yeah. I think it is, too. I think 2009. Really? I went to my first farmer's market. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to ask you about how you began. So, And so he, he has also supported gardens through education and products, uh, and his expertise includes classes, workshops, and consultation services covering topics like organic gardening, composting, project management, and administration. Over the years, he's collaborated with many nonprofits organizations as well as home gardeners in the Tampa Bay area, helping them make their projects a success. And in fact, he's done some work with me. Uh, you know, I've uh, had him do some things with me at private gardens, and then I've gotten things from him from uh, school gardens. So, you know, when there was too much mulch, I, I went over and got some. I remember oh, yeah. from the schools. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was academy prep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so David's been doing this a really long time. And so the thing about it, I have known David a real, you know, just forever. I can't even remember how long it's been. It's been a minute. I think it's when you were doing, you used to do natural uh, uh, grass control. I did. And yep. So that was the, he was the only person I knew that did that. And of course, since that's my line of thinking, I was always trying to get my clients to be able to do that. Of course, most of them were cheapskates and they couldn't, they wouldn't do that, right. you know, because of course it's more expensive, but of course it is the right thing to do. Right. So you did that to begin with. And then what, did, what happened? 
Well, so it all started with um, just being a home gardener. I'm born and raised in Tampa, Tampa native, and uh, spent about 10 years up in the Blue Ridge Mountains um, and maintained a little garden up there. And then when I moved back to Tampa. When did you move back? 2004 okay ish okay and uh tried to start a garden here and ran into all the issues <laughs> the florida problems com- compared to <laughs> trying it in the in the mountains with all that great mineral mineral rich soil yeah um and i began doing a lot of research um and networking and talking to people and you know the thing that really poked me in the eye was the issue well, I mean, first I obviously came across all the conventional information, and then I started getting in, conventional. You mean as like in conventional? Chemicals. Yeah, for, like like the the uh, the approach where you're actually getting in there and trying to manipulate the nutrients, so, right? You know, conventional versus right. organic, um, and those were just two words to me when I started, and then I started viewing the organic more as a view, viewing the soil almost like a biological organism. Such a good way to look at it. And um, I think that was kind of the awakening moment, um, whereas when I was trying to figure, again, up in North Carolina, you threw seeds in the ground, it grew. You, yeah, you, it's you, like Hawaii, you take, stick a stick in yeah, the ground. Yeah, you build a leaves. fence and your yeah, fence starts exactly. growing. Um, and, you know, it was very frustrating when I began researching how to grow better here because the, the, the analogy I like is um, it's almost like an early, the early days of computing to uh, program a computer. You had to, like, pull out wires and stick in wires. And that, to me, is kind of like conventional growing, whereas organic uh, gardening is more like having a Windows interface. <laughs> I don't need to know... I mean, it's good to know, but I don't need to know the, the exact yeah. things that are going on. I, I'm controlling it at a much higher level. Well, and also you're letting it do it for you. You're helping it. Correct. You're helping it. Yeah, we're just you're not leading. dominating it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, conventional would be like a motorboat. Yeah. And then organic gardening, you're like a sailboat. That's a perfect analogy. You're a sailboat. Right. So you, you are you are controlling it, but you're also working with with, with nature. Yeah. You're you're uh, trimming your sails as the wind goes. Yep. So yeah. I began having a lot of successes, and uh, then at, successes in your own it, garden. in my own garden. Okay. And then. Um, 2007 or 8-ish, um, you know, things started looking odd with our economy. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> things, when the bottom I, fell th- out. Well, it didn't fall out, but things started well, looking odd. It was and, clinging at the walls. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, the industry I was in, uh, we began to kind of feel it oh, way right. on the front end. I remember that because what happened was people don't have to spend money on their yards. Right. They have to spend money on things, but they can let that go and think about that later. Yeah. That's right. I remember feeling that too. So... So um, I actually was having successes in my own garden, and I started yeah. uh, just kind of as a side gig, um, started going to farmer's markets and selling the excess plants. From so you would my start own. your plants? I would start my plants. Um, I also uh, reached out and uh, some of the products that I was using in my own yard, I began getting them in bulk. And uh, my very first uh, farmer's market was actually at Sweetwater. Oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah, they a, still do that. I, I was a regular there yeah. every, every Sunday they for years. They do it every years. Sunday, yeah. And, um, I mean, I didn't, I knew what I knew, um, 
but it wasn't that much. It was the beginning. But a lot of the folks I would speak to at the farmer's markets, I knew a little more than they did. Oh, okay. I was somewhat successful. Okay. Um, and then if people asked me any questions that I didn't know the answers to at the farmer's market, I would take down their name and information if they wanted me to. Oh, that's nice. And I would uh, get back to them with an answer. And I would go and research it. And I would talk to other farmers. I would go talk to Rick Martinez. Right. I would talk to exactly. everybody. Could, and I would go, right. get, the, I would yeah. go get the answers. Yeah. And then and then either see them the next week or reach back out again. And then you were teaching yourself. Exactly. So I was on this, like, based on other people's questions, I was on this accelerated path of education, of that kind is... of learning about the ins and outs of, of growing. I think I was doing that for about a year or two before. Of selling I, the plants? And of stuff. selling the plants and setting up at the farmer's markets yeah. and just focus on, you know, I don't need to know exactly what I'm doing. I just need to know a tiny bit more than you to be helpful. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, kind of took that approach. And then I started doing home consultations and then business consultations, started building out gardens in people's yards, started building gardens in schools, and it kind of well, then people there. start to know who you are. That's yeah. what happens, I yeah. think. You know, once you start doing it and then the public gets an eye, the general public, not the public that's going to go to Sweetwater Farm because those people are, you know, a different ilk. They're probably not going to pay you a lot of money <laughs> uh, to build them a garden. I right. mean, some do, but, you know. It's well, not... I was going to farmer's markets in Hyde Park. There and you go. Wiregrass and right. Seminole Heights. Seminole and, Heights. Yeah. That's where I was thinking you Basically, every Saturday and Sunday... Every weekend, you were <laughs> all year, I was schlepping at, your I was, plants yeah, over there at, and your products. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, when did it occur? When did it happen for you that you started? Because you have a really great system now. David has a really good online system now, and you can go on there and order look for all the plants and order seeds and maybe some plants mm -hmm. and then they'll put it together and then you can either get it sent to you or you can go pick it up. Well, this is, this is kind of fun. It's so, so great. So I, I had a very, um, I had a very labor intensive business model. Yes. Lots of installs, lots of maintenance. I, we were spraying the, the, the lawns. I had multiple employees and um, just running into a lot of multiple employees will run into a lot of problems. Well, right it there. just some, it was scalable, mm. but to make it profitable, it would have had to go really big. Yeah. And I was doing, I had so many sticks in the fire. It was like if I wanted to be profitable on spraying lawns, I was going to have to stop doing everything else and focus oh. on that. Okay, so that's what you decided. You were going to have to focus on one thing. You had to get well, all the, the fringe it, stuff at away. At least less. <laughs> yeah. Not just well, one thing, but at least a little less. I think that's smart, you know, because uh, when people think of you, they need to think of that. Right. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they're confused, and then they don't call because they don't know which thing you are. So, you know, I, so think was, I think it was 2018 ish um, I wanted to put all of these products that um, I had been selling at the farmer's markets, I wanted to put them online um, because that was uh, very tiring and very time-consuming, spending all week uh, doing the maintenance and the installs and then every weekend it is. going to the farmer's markets to sell products. Um, I did have limited hours at the nursery at home, uh, which was a little bit problematic. Um, so 18, I started developing the website. 19, 2019, launched the website. Uh, last, then, last quarter of 2019, <laughs> I ran into a snafu with our home insurance 
found out I was seeing customers. I had open hours and they said no more. So we were open by appointment. And then we had another little snafu, which I won't get into. And we, and then now understand the website was live, but it wasn't really getting any traffic. So uh, last quarter of 2019, uh, we ended uh, anybody being able to come to the house to buy plants, began pointing everybody to the website, put a pickup station out front, and everybody was kicking and screaming because they wanted to come in and buy plants. Oh, the people that wanted to come in. Yeah. Oh, everybody hated it. And then first quarter of 2020, what happened? Nobody wanted to come in and buy plants. They couldn't. (laughs) Nobody could go anywhere. And so, and and, and people just couldn't even believe how, how, they're like, how did you set up so fast with a contactless pickup? I was like, I've been doing this for six months. That's, you are so. (laughs) You guys are, are, we're screaming at us. You're so lucky that that, I mean. It was timing. It was definitely timing. so so funny. So essentially we had the plants online and um, Google just loved it. So it's kind of taken off. Yeah. I want to do a reintroduction because we really would love to have some interaction with you guys out there. David uh, has super uh, knowledge about this stuff, so it would be a, su- a really good opportunity for you guys to call in about anything garden-related, uh, plant-related, uh, uh, growing a garden, as in products that you would use. He does pest management. I don't do pest management, but he does. He knows how, and he does. He knows how to do it in the best way. The best way to the do best it way is to, do to it. not have to do it. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so let me do a reintroduction. You're listening to the Sustainable Living Show uh, coming to you from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Today we're talking with David Whitwam, and he's the owner of Whitwam Organics, and it's all about seeds, plants, soil, and everything garden-related. So give us a call at 813-239-9663 or text us at 813-433-0885 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we'll read it on the air. And so there's a lot of ways for you to get in touch with this. So go ahead and do it. We usually get it at the end. So let's just break that cycle and do it in the beginning. <laughs> so, David, you, you did that. That started out uh, in 2020. And so uh, you so that was your transition. Now, I know that you put in a garden and did a segment on Fox TV, uh, Channel 13. And I, that was before then, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. So I've did, been there for many, many years. That's what I recall. Yeah. So there's, uh, we have, we have um, three gardens there now. So you actually have a little garden in in the at the station. Yeah, I'm, I go there every Thursday morning, and an anchor comes down, and we shoot uh, live a three minute segment based on what is going on in that garden right there at the moment. Yeah. So I'm taking care of that garden in real time. I always tell people if they're brand new to this, they could just tune right in and follow along and yeah. probably have a successful garden. Yeah, because you're putting in new things mm-hmm. and taking out old things yep. and telling them why. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it keeps up with the seasonality of everything. Um, and uh, if I'm having to use any products, uh, when do I add soil? When do I turn the soil? Um, the whole nine yards. So... I'm glad we have calls now. (laughs) And I bet you this is Kenny Gill. But we'll see. It says Kenny. So we'll see uh, who it is. Uh, Is this, was I right? Is this Kenny Gill? You know it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kenny. All right. I'm so glad you called in. What you got, Kenny? Well, I'm just here taking my lunch break with my ag program over here at the high school. So uh, just got second. But I want, David, if you could talk a little bit about 
maybe some of the challenges or difficulties you face in running the actual like nursery where you're growing your seedlings for somebody who might be wanting to get into that type of thing as far as, you know, maybe issues you face with the plants, with some of the systems that you have in place or those type of things. That's a great question. Yeah. So running a nursery business, um, anybody out there who's dealt with with trying to grow in potted plants uh, would probably understand. But you're essentially trying to keep them in the smallest container possible for as long as possible. Whereas I think if I was container gardening at home, I would upplant stuff as fast as possible. Right, but people need the smaller pots. They need the smaller pots. Yeah. It's hard, they're harder to move around. And so just learning the soil mixes at the different pot sizes, I think was the biggest, was the biggest challenge. So you're, you use a seed starting mix, and then when you up pot, you use a different mix. Is that what so you're saying? We make, for, yeah, so we use um, ProMix MP Organic with mycorrhizae um, to germinate the seeds. And then um, as we uh, pot them up, we blend our garden soil with the ProMix. Oh, that's a good idea. And depending on the pot size, those ratios are adjusted. So he's saying that that has microsia in it, which is the the microbe that stimulates uh, all the growth. So that's why you would put that in there. Correct. Okay. Kenny, anything else? Yeah, what do you you, uh, recommend as far as like water control? You know, are you out there hand watering? How do you, you know, that can be labor intensive, I would assume. We, Especially in the summer. We right? water as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's really smart, though, because then the plants need, uh, learn how to do that. It, the, and, but the other issue is just you're in smaller, smaller pots. Well, and so the plants definitely are, are needy. We definitely have to get somebody out there at least every day, if not every other day, uh, to put their eyes on, on the plants and move the trays around if needed and spot water and hand water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overwatering the nursery is, is almost as big of an issue. I would rather see plants dying in the nursery from underwatering than overwatering. Yeah. Do you do any type of like bottom watering with trays without holes or anything like that? Or have you found, have you tried that? Yes. What's depending your- on the plants, we, we will put them on trays. If they dry out too much, I'll put them on the tray for the day and water from the bottom Saturate. Up because the, the, the soil will become hydrophobic if yeah. it dries out too much. Um, but oh, then we also good. have some plants, uh, some natives and stuff that like a wetter location. And so I find that the trays are helpful because I can put them in the same watering zones as other plants. Um, and and essentially they're getting more water. Oh, that's smart. So you just wet. know your space. So I don't have to have another zone for yeah, the plants. Yeah, so you I know just, the area. I use those trays, um, but I don't water from the bottom. They just still get the same overhead water. They just retain more of it. Oh, that's very smart. Kenny, anything else? We got no, emails and, and other calls, but if you got a good well, one, I'm listening. It. What? Thank you. I said, that's all. Thank you, guys. Well, that, I'm so glad you called in. I miss you, David, man. I miss your, your monthly garden report. Oh, man. I'll have to get that. I know. That was that fun, wasn't That it? was a COVID thing, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, quarterly or something. Yeah. That's a good idea. At least quarterly. Yeah. 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 My right, wife keeps care, bugging me about that, so. Thank you. <laughs> so, y'all, David did a uh, an, uh, live uh, online uh, garden report, and he would sometimes he would have guests and mm-hmm. things like that. It was a lot of fun. So that's what we're bugging I think him I about. I did it weekly. 
Yeah, you did. You did for a while. Uh, I got a call and I have several emails. So I'm going to go ahead and take the call right now because they've been waiting a while. And then I'm going to get right on the email. So this is good. David, you're on the air. Okay. Hello. Um, Just a quick question, please. Okay. Uh, Leaf miners. What does he know about or do about leaf miners? I I grew up in, in, in Maryland and we used to put out fields full of tomatoes and never ever even knew what a leaf miner was so i'm here to florida. welcome to florida so yeah so most of the people who are asking about leaf miners do not like my answer but right. i'm still gonna give it um so i i mean i've been doing this for well over 10 years in multiple multiple locations multiple situations going to customers houses to see their gardens where i haven't been involved i have yet to see leaf miners cause enough catastrophic damage to worry about unless if it if it is looking that way there is something else going on with that right the plant is already suffering and that's just showing up because you have it but i do have something to say about it of course i do (laughs) so you can pinch they're just inside between the top and the bottom of that leaf and you can pinch that whole squiggly line and he's going to be in there and you're going to smash him it's a larva of a of a fly yes so that's that's where he is so you can smash him by that way great i've done that also when the leaves get pretty well mangled up just well, get them before they get yeah, mangled. Yeah, get them way before that because yeah. they're just coming back and rebreathing yeah, in the so same spot. You need to, to stay on top of yeah, it. I'm not saying I don't pick off leaves right. when I see leaf miners. Right. We definitely right. do that, and I drop them in soapy water. You don't right. want to just drop them on the ground That's because it. they could still hatch. That's right. Okay, well, what about neem oil? I don't um, use anything on the plants for leaf miners. A lot of oil-based or soap based or surfactant based uh pesticides can be way harder on the plants than the pests that you're trying to treat it's a not a uh, a cure-all that has become the internet sensation of cure-alls neem oil you mean yes yeah, yeah. It, it, can mean, burn, it can burn your plants it's, a, it's an oil i've been using it for 15 years you know i know well, yeah. I, I mean, just because you've been using it that long yeah, doesn't mean it's you, working it, yeah, the, you, all the right way. If you, then you know, if you if you uh, are a little heavy on the elbow when you're pouring that, or on a, on the wrong plants, it, and the sun's out, it can well, and also up. you're you're you know you are responding to other plant uh, other insects. I mean, like for me, I don't use anything, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah. I I let the other insects be there and have a hospitable atmosphere. So then all the predatory insects eat all the bad insects mm-hmm. or the insects yeah. that I don't want around anyway. Yeah. Not One bad. final question. I don't know if you cover this at all, but uh, sunshine mimosa. Are you familiar with that plant? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. I, I tore out my whole front yard and uh, scalped it out and then replaced it with sunshine mimosa. It grows hardly uh, throughout the summer months. And mm-hmm. I guess we're about to come into that. But, uh, when it dies back, it dies back pretty hard. I was just yeah. curious what to do to treat it, you know? I I mean, I'm, again, I'm relatively new to this plant, and I'm coming at it more from the nursery industry side of things. Uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out how to propagate, get to live in pots, what's yeah. a good soil mix, all that stuff. But I'm noticing the exact same thing. It it dies out. I, I mean, I'm 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 far from being experienced in having it uh, yeah. laid out in a large quantity as a ground cover in your lawn. Maybe uh-huh. this is a guess. This is probably one of the first things I would try if I had it in my yard. Is over the winter time I would probably put down winter rye, 
uh, winter rye uh, would probably be uh, compatible and it will die back as the mimosa is trying to fill back in and then you won't have as much yeah. open space for weed seeds. And, and you know, the other part about what you just said, though, David, is that could be like a cover crop in the sense that, like you said, no weeds and it would probably feed the uh, the plant. But the one thing about sunshine mustard, because I have put it in in large quantity in large areas. It's a big root, right? Yes. Big, big, big long roots. root, yeah. long tap root. Never put it over your uh, septic system. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the other thing is it does go dormant in the winter. So there's nothing you really you can do. Okay, so I'm not killing them right no. now? No. Okay. They go dormant in the winter. I was just waiting for all this to, to thin out yeah. before I yeah, smoke. It's, it's, but a, it's a great plant. It's a great plant. It fertilizes itself. You don't have to do anything but let the rainfall on it. Exactly. But it does go dormant in the sum, in the winter, so you're just not going to have okay. it very pretty in certain times of the year. I'm just going to be patient and wait yeah, it out. Some, you're some a good sort man. Of, some sort of a winter annual um, that you want in its place would probably, like I said, I mean, yeah. winter rye is not native, but if you wanted to do some research and find another annual that you could reseed. And you can it. mix yeah. things too. I mean, you could mix the, that with, uh, with the peanut or frog fruit or any of these things. You could mix those. It doesn't have to be one yeah. plant, you know. That's what I like to do because then you have different reactions at different times of the year. Okay, well, thank you for all the info. You're thank very you welcome. Thanks for calling. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we got emails, emails. Let's see. Uh, we got, let's see, David, what is the best material to use when building raised bed gardens? Bill from Land Lakes. The best material? That's... Well, <laughs> you know, probably the, how do you do so it? What cheapest, is your lasagna, lasagna layering or whatever? I, well, for beds, I mean, it, it took a while, but I'm, I'm, Pointing people toward the uh, all the metal beds that are out yeah, now. those are simple. Um, yeah, I, I was a little skeptical of them at first. We're talking te- over ten years ago. I wasn't sure how long they would last, and for the price point, they're still a little pricey. Um, but the people I know who've had them in for a while, they're not rusting through like I was worried about mm-hmm. um, them doing. The most cost-effective way, if you want to do beds, would be to like get if somebody has some medium-sized logs or sticks and, and build a, 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 a border um, around the edges, put put them underneath as well. Um, and then the next one, if you wanted to buy something from the store, would be just regular untreated pine, you know, two by eights. And that is going to rot, but they're very easy to replace uh, for a couple of years. Cedar, you know, cedar and cypress can be pricey. I have cypress, and but I've had it for so long. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was probably not very expensive when I got it. Mm-hmm. But I've had it for, say, 10 years now, yeah. and it has not rotted at all. So if you can put out the money to begin with, you're going to have the payback in the long run. And but, I know the red cedar, I... I if that had lasted, mine's cypress. I take that back. Mine's cypress. Yours, yours is cypress. cypress. But the red cedar is what you can buy at the home stores. Okay. And and that is, um, if we had gotten ten years out of it, I think it would have been good. But we were getting maybe five. Yeah, six that's not years enough. out of it. Yeah. And it was four or five. It's times not worth the price. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But but, you, um, but that cypress, seriously. Uh, but I did go to a lumber yard, like a fine lumber yard, and got it, and it was mm-hmm. an eight inch wide. And it was eight feet long. I mean, it was amazing. And I just cut it in different ways to yeah. make a like a almost like a little um, house roof at the top, so I could open my car doors because it's right next to my driveway. So I am going to be. I have a sawmill up at my Crystal oh, yeah. River property, and I am going to be experimenting with just some plain uh, rough sewn uh, pine. 
and up I'm there? going to you're tr- going to try it up there. Well, I want to I, I want to see if there could be a natural treated uh, alternative with a decent price point for oh. people to build raised beds with. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm going to basically I'm going to burn the wood. Oh yeah, you're going to sear it. And then I'm going to yeah. make my own pine tar out of the rest of the pieces of the trees, uh, which <gasps> is basically if you try and make biochar out of pine. Um, there's stuff that oozes out of the bottom of it if you're if you're heating it up in a sealed environment. That's called pine tar, and it's what they used to use to seal ships. It's what they used to seal ropes on what? ships. Um, so I'm going to see if burning it and coating it with pine tar uh, will give us a uh, a longer period of naturally sealing. You know what, too, David? My granddaddy used to uh, put a little catch. Uh, thing on on pine trees Mm -hmm. and he would scar the pine and he put it on there and catch the resin yeah so the resin so the resin is what they would make uh pine tar no pine or turpentine turpentine and then uh what's left over when you make the turpentine is pine resin Uh which is what they use on like violin bow strings and stuff so the process of getting the pine tar out like i said you want to you want to superheat the wood in a vacuumed environment and let the stuff come out that wow that sounds wonderful bottom. and get this y'all he's doing it off his own land harvesting trees that need to be taken down or already have gone down yes so it's a very sustainable act so that would be a wonderful wonderful way to be able to then continue that theme in your own garden. I have a question here. I don't know if it's going to be up your alley, but we'll go ahead and go for it. Uh, we have David Bryant calling or writing in. It says, what's your guest take on jacaranda and ear trees? Although they're beautiful, they're also non-native and grow pretty huge. My neighbor had one and had to, take, had to get a tree trimmer company to take it out completely because the roots ruined their uh, sewage and water pipe, you know, they made damage, and it was very expensive to remove. What do you have any thoughts on those? For jacaranda and ear tree. Are we talking about the monkey ear? I, you know, I tree? guess that's what he's talking about. I don't really just, know. I mean, if you don't have the answer. What, what's the question? It's uh, what's your take on it? If it's an invasive plant, it should get taken out. Yeah. I mean, jacarandas, people plant jacarandas because they're beautiful. The flowers are purple. I mean, when you go over to St. Pete and when they were in bloom, it's just stunning. There's just purple trees everywhere. It's gorgeous. But... It's a brittle tree, mm-hmm. and it is it grows very, very big. So, you know, it's it's half a dozen or the other. I don't know the uh, invasive category of that one, but I know the ear tree is. Yeah. is a, I don't know. I can look it species. up. Jacaranda. We'll see what that is. So, you know, um, let me see what I have over here. You know, you, you're doing that Fox Network. Now, you have other programs, I know, and I know that there are – recordings of those old shows. Mm-hmm. I saw that online. Yeah. So people could Google you. Yeah, so for the longest time, they were just kind of out there. These are, We're talking about the old uh, Thursday three-minute segments that I've done forever. And they were- Channel they, 13. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I could dig them up, but it was a little, a little more difficult. But the, the news station finally organized them in yes. such a way that if you just uh, Google uh, Good Day Garden- Whitwam, um, the 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 place on on their website where all of them are stored actually will come up. And you know what I did? I didn't know all that. So what I did is I just put your name in there and I put TV program. Yeah. Or local TV. You could just Google me. And it and it worked (laughs) and it came up. And so I was like, okay, so that's great because I wanted people to know that they could actually look at those things if they wanted to because it would be very helpful, very helpful. And now you other you have other programs that you do. No, that's it. 
No, no, I don't mean TV programs. I mean, like, do you do teaching programs or? So yeah, what do you I have mean, going as on the, there? As the um, that's you know, it's kind of a closing chapter. It, it is where uh, I am passionate about working with uh, the community and community gardens and school gardens. Yeah. Um, but at some point, it just you know, there's only one of me. I know it's a lot of work, and um, it, it it's just not. Uh, very scalable. And at some point, as passionate as I am about uh, things, you have to look at things from a business perspective. Well, and and age, you know, as you get older. I'm getting older. Um, And the website is taken off. So that's where most of my focus is going uh, now. But I still have uh, my contracts with the University Area Community Development Center, Harvest Hope Park. Oh, nice. I'm up there every other Friday morning. I'm working with Cornerstone Family Ministries and their community garden. And then I'm working with Academy Prep in Tampa. Oh, uh, so you're still doing this? Garden. Yeah. So, so you do do some, but you have to limit it. You can't take on more. You're just remaining with the ones that you can manage. Yeah. I mean, no, point. I mean, I used to have three times that many. Oh, yeah. Even, even uh, the middle of last year. So oh, those, really? Yeah. So, so as the website business has been taking up, I've, those those contracts have been... Well, that's good. Getting pared down. That's smart. You know, you have to. You do have to think smart because then you just wear yourself out. Then well, you're no good to anybody. Ha- it's hard. It is. Um, to, just say no. It's it's when you're passionate. Yes. About something, I think there's a lot of people out there who can take advantage uh, of somebody who's passionate right. about something, uh, in, in, either intended or not. Um, and we can take advantage of ourselves when we're passionate. Well, about we wear ourselves out. You know. Yeah. And, and it's it's hard sometimes to draw that line behind a, a hobby, um, and uh, and a business. And a business has to make money. Well, that's true. <laughs> you know, or why or it or why are you doing it? Right. You know, uh, just to let you know, uh, the jacaranda is a native to Argentina and Bolivia. So no, it's not a native. But it is, is a beauty. Does it have a category? Is it? A, Categorized as invasive. Didn't see that oh, on gotcha. this lookup. Gotcha. I got too many things I'm juggling right, over here. Right. <laughs> that was the best I could do. But it does grow 50 feet, which is kind of giant. So just while we're mentioning uh, invasive uh, trees, mm-hmm. um, I do want to kind of put this plug out there because I, I was shocked to learn this. So um, camphor trees. Yeah, they're invasive. Category one. Right. That's, that's big the big deal. I think that the next step bigger than that would be on the state's noxious weed list. Like carrot wood? So, yeah, yeah. So it's just below that, essentially. Yeah. Well, okay. if you ever have them around you. Okay, ready for this? Okay. In the city of Tampa, they're protected. Oh, uh, because there's a lot of big ones. Yep. Yeah. If it's over a certain diameter, you are not allowed to cut it down. Well, they're beautiful. Those big ones are beauties. But it's a category one invasive. That's interesting. Which means it's displacing natural plants in our environment. Well. Even growing them in Tampa, the seeds are spreading. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. When you you are around one of those, those seeds are growing everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. In in, in people's, like I've had clients that had them in their yard, they're gorgeous. One was just gigantic. But those seeds would sprout constantly. And that was something that had to be taken care of all the time. And I'm not saying we should run around and cut them all down. Yeah, but I'm saying you. if you have an area and you're trying to naturalize it, you should be allowed to cut them down. It is a invasive That's species. an interesting thing though, because nowadays trees are so unprotected. Yeah. I would think that that would be an easy take. Yeah. Uh, I really do. Because now it's, all you have to do is just get an arborist to say yes. And then there it is. Only on a residential property. Oh, and this would not be in a business. If it was on a, if it was on some piece of land that you're trying to naturalize within the city limits, 
Oh, that you weren't going to live on. That you weren't going to live on. You okay. cannot cut them down. Wow, that's very interesting, David. I love new information. Hey, let me uh, go ahead and, and call this out again. Uh, the reintroduction. We're listening to the Sustainable Living Show coming to you from the studios of WMF in Tampa. Today, we're talking with David Whitwam. He's the owner of Whitwam Organics, all about seeds, plants, soil, and everything garden-related. Give us a call at 813-239-9663. Text us on air uh, or text us at uh, 813-433-0885 or send us an email at uh, dj at wmnf.org. And I do have uh, an email. And the question for your guest, uh, who is this from? It doesn't say. Is I have cuttings for my grandmother's Christmas cactus oh, from Wisconsin. I can't seem to get it to grow here in Florida, either indoors or outdoors. I have tried for several years and it isn't thriving. Do you have any thoughts on that, David? I don't. You probably have more. On well, that one I than killed me. mine. Yeah, I got my mother's and uh, I killed mine too. I, you know, they're they're in they're kind of a. Once you find the right place for it, they love it. But they don't like super direct sun. They don't like super dark. They've got to have a dapples light. They don't like too much water, but they don't like too little water. I mean, right. it's a thing, you know. So I'm sorry. We can't help you there. I do know that most people that have Christmas cactus horror mm-hmm. stories, it's always uh, some plant with sentimental value. Oh, yeah, they so all are. So it's a very hard story oh, it's, to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I was sad. You know, somebody was put in charge of the whatever oh, right. from great-grandma, and they killed it. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> it's just heartbreaking stories. It's really funny too because I am a really good gardener and I'm really good with houseplants too. Mm-hmm. And I just can't make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I I had some that bloomed a couple of times, but I'm just just no good at it. I don't know what it is. I either. think you I think so you said it cuz the 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 people I see who have them that are thriving, they're really thriving. Yeah. So I I don't know if there's much in the middle. Yeah, they're either they're either dying or, or thriving. Yeah, <laughs> there's no gray. <laughs> they're either really green or they're black. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, caller or texter. We don't. We can't help you. Yeah. I would play if I had to take some guesses. If I was doing this, on, uh-huh. if I if you gave me a Christmas cactus and told yeah. me I had to keep it alive, first thing I would do is multiple divisions if I could, and I would try different soil mixes. That's very smart. That's different very smart. Different soil mixes. Because yeah. like, like you said, too, uh, uh, just enough water but not too damp, that's going to be all about what kind of potting soil you're using. Yeah, if it's too rich, it's keeping it too wet, yeah, probably. Exactly. Yeah, I would. I think that's probably what I did is I had it in too rich a soil. Um so let's see what else do we have here. You're, you're, are you, and you're still doing some of the schools. You're still doing the one school and then the two community gardens. Yeah. Okay. And what do you do there? At the school? Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you do at those places? So when uh, I mean, I show up, the kids come out, and we just actively are growing. Oh, you're talking uh, about what's going on in 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 the gardens. Oh, that's uh, cool. I mean, it's it's just so I've worked with other uh, groups of kids where it's more like the gardens are taken care of by myself and volunteers, and then the kids come out um, in, in large something. quantities. And it's I hate to, it's a little bit of a dog and pony show, but right. they get they get kind of in, an introduction and an exposure to the garden, but they're not really 
taking Active. care of it. Right. And that's what I do when I have a school garden. You know, one time I helped somebody. Uh, I forgot about that until you just said that. I helped someone that had a giant raised uh, bed. They had him all around the school. Uh, it was decorative. But then they had one that was behind fencing mm-hmm. that they were allowed to. She'd convinced the, the principal to plant it. And so what we did is we got a lot of uh, Newport Ritchie compost, you know, took it over there. Uh, I got them, I bought them a whole bunch of uh, uh, sweet potato slips, uh, for, uh, actually some from Jim Kowaleski, and, oh, nice. and I ordered some from Steel, mm-hmm. uh, which has them, and then they're in Georgia. And then, or is it Tennessee? I can't remember. Tennessee. Tennessee. And they're very nice people. Anyway, so we planted them, and then what happens is, I like to plant them in uh, the uh, like around May, mm-hmm. and then they grow all summer, which is what they did. And they grew all summer. The teachers would go over there and water periodically, and uh, then in the uh, fall, w- they let the kids harvest them, and then the cafeteria cooked them and made French fries and stuff for them, and served everybody with it. And it was a tremendous success because of that. Because of the whole school got involved. So on that note, and this is kind of something I've run into with school gardens, and I've sat in offices up in Tallahassee about this and all kinds of symposiums. Um, But uh, just uh, on on what you just said, in this, you know, I don't know what counties people are listening from, so uh, different people could have had different responses. But the state of Florida allows you to bring the food into the cafeteria and prepare it for the kids. That's wonderful. But they allow the counties, the districts, to go around that. So you oh. might be in a county that does not allow that. Oh, so it's all per county. But that is not from the state. So that would be basically the people who work in your lunchroom, uh-huh. their boss has made that decision that yeah. your school garden food cannot be served in the cafeteria. Well, good thing I didn't mention the name of the school. Yes. <laughs> Right, because we may or wouldn't want to get them in trouble. (laughs) But it was really a great experience all around, and the kids were just thrilled to get in there and dig them up, and they had all different colors. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it wasn't like the standard sweet potatoes. And plus, a lot of those kids, you know, they'd never even had a sweet potato before, so they thought, "Ooh, this is going to be icky," and it was fantastic. Yeah, sometimes it's great when the when their first exposure to the garden is harvesting. Mm-hmm. That's always yeah, exciting. Yeah, that's the biggest part. Uh, right. In August, when we're starting a school garden, their first exposure to the garden is turning the soil and carrying bags of soil. Yeah, it's not very exciting. <laughs> and it's that's just That's like sweaty work. So uh, we're, you know, com- we're closing in towards the end. So let's uh, move into some other questions. One of the things that I, um, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, as a local gardener, we we know the importance of plant selection, location, and timing. Can you talk about that, like right place, right plant, right time, and the seasons, and that sort of stuff? So, you know, a lot of what I was doing was researching f- to, to be successful in some of the community gardens. The food was going into food pantries, and, and we had to be somewhat production-oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were definitely about community and education, but somewhat we, we had to. We had to grow. We, we had to grow some. You wanted something. an end product, and, at and the plus, end. you know, the, I was selling plants and I was selling seeds, so I wanted to make sure and that I was selecting the best. Yes. So at multiple locations all over the this area of uh, Florida, 
Um, I would do side-by-side tests with, say, five different kinds of cucumbers. So I have five different kinds of cucumbers planted at 10 different locations all over the Tampa Bay area. And to see pests show up on three of them and not on two of them, right? I'm like, oh, wow, I found a cucumber that doesn't get caterpillars. Well, it was spring. Then I do the same experiment again in the fall, and the caterpillars show up on the other ones and, 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 and not on those. So it would reverse. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Plant so, variety selection, it's not just important. It's the most important. That is one of the <laughs> things that I really like about your site is that you have a lot of seeds and plants, a lot of seeds that are like things that will manage green things, greens that'll go in the summer. Yeah. And you you have researched enough to be able to know these are the better plants that you might not know about, y'all, uh, that are going to work in this situation. So that is what you have. And that's, I mean, that's getting down to a very granular variety level. But even at a more basic level, you know, just spending years watching uh, try, you know, starting my collards early in August and it stays hot until November and my okra is doing great and my collards have bugs on it. And then the as soon as it cools off and it gets nice, the collards don't have bugs on it and the okra does. Yeah. So, so how could you blame the bugs at right. that point? It's, it's about obvious. Timing. I mean, like once you see it enough times, the side-by-side comparison, yeah. whether it's different varieties of collards or cucumbers yeah. or completely different plants like okra and collards. You know, what you're saying too to me, like, is that what people do is they're not observing and waiting and looking and thinking. No, they spray the bugs right away. Right. They're, they overreact and they want this perfect situation where there's nothing touching their precious whatever it is. And so then they spray the bugs and then they cause a, a big old problem because they killed all the predatory insects that were there to help them out because they didn't wait long enough. You know, it's funny. It was one of our questions because when, when... Oh, wait when, a minute. Before we do that, yeah. somebody asked online, uh, they said, who am I speaking with? Who's the guest? And it's David Whitwam and he He's the owner of Whitwam Organics, and uh, he talks all about seeds, plants, soil, and everything gardening. Go ahead. So uh, our, one of our questions was about the Christmas cactus, um, and uh, that's actually the example I give when I say what I'm about to say. Um, and you know, most of the time we're playing with plants that can be replaced. Exactly. And the, These are temporary. And, 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 the, and even if it's a perennial, um, yeah. and I understand that they might cost resources, whether it's time or money or both. But the, the, the freedom you will get in the long run by sometimes just letting the bugs kill the plants. I can't even tell you how many times I'm like, oh, well, the bugs didn't kill the plants. And then you get to see the whatever show up and start eating those bugs. Right. You know, and, you don't, and you don't get to experience that. Or you will actually see when the plant hit a critical uh, timing and, and started going downhill. You know, it's funny you say that because I had I had that experience, and um, it was a long, 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 long ago. And I wasn't spraying anything, but I was squishing. Right, I was yeah. squished. My my mechanic, forefinger and mechanical, my thumb mechanical. were were working for me. And so what happened is I went out. It was giant milkweed, which is not native, but I had it. And so I went out there and I had aphids all over the giant milkweed. And I started to reach to squeeze it, and I stopped myself, and I thought. Why, why would I do that? I mean, I, this is just an overreaction. Sure. You know, it's a knee-jerk response. And then I looked down at that moment, and I saw a ladybug on a, a leaf down below. 
And I went, you know what? I'm going to wait for a few days. I'm going to come back out here and see what happened. And all I came back in three days, not an aphid. Oh, they'll eat every there. single one of them. It and then was, they'll start having babies. Right. And, and then those babies look really scary. So people think it's a really bad <laughs> bug, right? They're very scary looking little babies. Yeah, and this is hard to do if it's, like I said, your grandma's Christmas. Campus. Oh, yeah. If it's well, some yeah. sort of sentimental, one-of-a-kind plant, I get it. Um, but for the most part, I think the education far outweighs uh, the, the life of the plant. Yeah, and you know, uh, you can always take a cutting if it's a if it's a perennial, sure. and clean it up and take a cutting and start that over again. That's what I do. I've cut back slices of spinach all the way to the ground when I had uh, and uh, what was it mealybugs? It was just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So and it it came back perfectly. You know, and people are just they they just want too much too much perfect stuff. And there's so many people and so many garden sites that are going to tell you to do this as soon as you see it. They say, use soap or, well, you know, I, I mean, use vinegar, lot, use salt. People, I mean, it's To crazy. give people a little more credit, um, I, I think that there's already some anxiety um, with getting into something new like gardening. And I think there's also some nurturing uh, energy going into it, so these are their babies. Yeah, that's right? true. So, so I, I it's we're kind all, of we're hardened. Yeah. So, 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 the, you know, the thing is, is just to to not always get ruled by your emotions when you're doing the gardening, and, yeah. and maybe kind of let things go. I say the same thing to people when they're out there covering when it gets cold out. How are you going to know which plants you never had to cover if you're out there always covering? That's everything? true. It's good to to make a selection. You know, we are at the end of the show, David. Gosh. I know it flies by, doesn't it? We didn't even talk about. Now. I wanted to talk about natives, but, you know, whatever. And then we didn't talk about don't grow what you eat, but we'll have to do that another day, I guess. We'll have to have you back on, and we'll talk about something else completely. So um, I would like to let people know if they wanted to get in touch with David. uh, That's the email is info at witwomorganics.com, and that's spelled W-H-I-T-W-A-M organics.com. And it's also, he has a... Uh, www.witwomorganics.com is his website, and you can go there and check everything out. So, yes, and something that was not mentioned is okay. I do uh, still do at-home consultations. Oh, okay, very and good. The consultations um, can be purchased directly off the website. So you would have them do that then rather than call? They can either way. Okay. Either way. So I need to close it up, and thank you so much for being here, David. Thank you for it having a, me. a pleasure, really. It's great to see you and everything. You know, um, Thank you, Irene, for the calls, and Mr. Bill Grace for keeping me in the between the, the ruts in the road. I appreciate you for working the boards and everything. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org and donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. We're having a fundraiser coming up, so y'all keep your, your pockets ready to, to shell them out. And stay tuned. In the next hour, you hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mabili. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We'll be talking with Jordan Parker, Embarking on Your Butterfly Journey. Follow our Facebook page and WMNF. And if you are, remember, if you are looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. The sun.